Welcome back to Conversations with Grandpa, episode two. Uh, We did it. We recorded, released a first episode uh, to rave reviews. Uh, There is at least one review on iTunes right now, definitely by not me, and uh, it's very good. So five stars all around. The, The crowd is going wild. Um, which means we're back for this second episode where uh, Grandpa and I got a chance to talk uh, about Grandma a little bit. And uh, we didn't really stick super closely to the topic necessarily, so once again, a wide-ranging conversation. Uh, But I think that's what makes this fun, uh, just being able to kind of listen in on a conversation with Grandpa. Um, And I hope you enjoy it. Oh, oh, and before we start the episode, I was going to say this. Um, I think I sent out a Spotify link last time because that was the first platform that we were on. We are now on all of your podcast platforms. So Apple Podcasts, Overcast, uh, Google Podcasts, whatever you want to listen to, uh, we're there. So check this out in your regular podcast feed just by searching for Conversations with Grandpa. Okay, now we're going to start. So, uh, I don't don't know how to kick off the the next episode because I had like an an intro question for the last one. Well, one of your questions, as I recall, was, how did you meet Grandma? Yeah. Okay. Well, as I said in a previous interview, I was at Calvin, had to work my way through. One of the jobs I had was working in the cafeteria. And uh, as the line would come through, it was my job to serve milk. And I had to be done manually because it came out of a large dispenser and I would put it into glasses and so forth and put it on their trays as they walked by. And they used to call her Sherry, by the way. It wasn't Sharon. Sherry was her name, Sherry Wixer. Well, she came through the line. I didn't know who she was. And I was so mesmerized by her beauty that uh, I kept on pouring milk, and it was all over the floor and all over the <laughs> counter. Uh, I'd like to say that the rest is history and that I went right after it and asked her for a date, but... I was so shy in those days that I didn't have the courage to do that because I knew she would tell me no. And uh, I asked a buddy to set me up. And so I was set up for the first date. It was thoroughly delightful. Um, Just a little background on how the gals lived at Calvin at that time. They lived in separate private houses called coops. And each Coop had a house mother, and believe it or not, in those days, they were restricted so much that they couldn't even wear patent leather shoes because they might reflect something, (laughs) which is just unbelievable. Getting on with the story of how we were getting along, after we had been dating three or four dates, I find out that Sherry had a very serious boyfriend back home. His name was John. And in those days, it was 
quite common for high school graduates to get married right after high school. It was done widely. And they were not engaged at the time, but they were certainly going steady. They had every intention of being engaged later on, and of course, marriage. And so after four or five dates, I said, you know, I need a decision. You've got to make a decision whether it's going to be John or it's going to be me. She and what she choose? <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, she chose me. Wow. But the breakup, as she explained it to me, was very emotional, very tearful. And uh, he kept in contact with her throughout all of the years of our marriage. Really? Yeah. Uh, every once in a while, I would come home from work, and John would be sitting on the couch having conversation, usually with one of his buddies. You see, one of his very close friends became a linebacker in the NFL. That's cool. He was an awesome football player for Shelby. And so he uh, went with the Lions, he played with the Bears, and he ended up his career with the Saints. Name was Dave Witzel, for what that's worth. But anyway, uh, we were off and running. We got married during our, my senior year. But Mom, Grandma, was working at that time because she had gone through Blodgett on a two-year nursing program. Mm. One year at Calvin two years at Blodgett, and she was a public health nurse, and uh, her concerns were calling on schools in Kent County, uh, and she had to do vision testing to make sure that every kid in the classroom could see properly, and if she ran into a problem, uh, I would imagine parents would be called and so forth. Uh, our marriage and the wedding itself Ron Greisinger, my roommate, who was from Kalamazoo, was my best man. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a very simple wedding, but it was standard in those days. We got married in the Methodist Church in Shelby. Why Methodist? Why not Reform? Because everybody was Reformed in those days. Uh, there had been a disagreement in the Wickster family with the Reformed Church, and temporarily they were in the Methodist Church. And then later on, that all switched back because apparently the Methodist preachers uh, would put their own personal slant on what they were preaching from the pulpit. And uh -huh. they left at a time when they got a pastor who said that the parables in the Bible uh, really didn't happen and that the miracles for sure didn't happen. And uh, so they left. Hmm. No, you know, And of course, the disagreement was that the Word of God really is an absolute. Back to the wedding. Nothing fancy. Reception in the church basement. Coffee, cake, and we were on our way for a long honeymoon that lasted an entire weekend. <laughs> and that was it. Monday morning, we were back in Grand Rapids. Oh, we lived in a travel trailer for one year. Living in a travel trailer in the winter is a real survivalist type of thing because there is no adequate insulation. Mm -hmm. And we used up a lot of fuel oil, just a tremendous amount of fuel oil. 
to jump back to like you and grandma meeting you were a senior when you proposed um did you meet like how long did you date for oh we dated for a couple of years before the proposal took place and we didn't have a formal proposal Mm -hmm. it was a committee meeting (laughs) (laughs) like all good things yeah and we came to an agreement that yes we ought to get married and we figured that it would be a worthwhile thing to do and you know in God's providence it was worthwhile because uh, we spent 54 years in married life yeah so all of that's history that's amazing your uh, honeymoon what a weekend what, what was that like where was that short it was very short uh, we went up to the bridge turned around and came back basically up to Mackinac yeah we almost got a divorce when I decided that smoked fish would be a wonderful thing to have in the in the room you know <laughs> and I brought that in and the smell she says what in the world is that <laughs> She had never encountered smoked fish in her life. What's interesting to note is that over the years, smoked fish became a delicacy that she thoroughly enjoyed, especially chubs when we were on vacation because we would be close to Leland. There was a place up there called Carlson's, and at that time they had chubs available, smoked chubs. They're not available today uh, just because they've been overfished. Yeah. Were you were you a fisher a fisherman a fisher uh, were you a fisherman at the uh, time like and that got you into smoked you, fish or did you like smoked fish first and then like get into fishing? I grew up with it. Yeah. Yeah. My father used to eat sardines right straight out of the can. I can remember the horrible smell in the car going down the road while he was doing that. But any time there was smoked fish. Uh, it always disappeared first as an appetizer. It was highly prized, uh, seldom bought because of the expense, but something that we always went to if we could. Oh, I mean, that that's one of my big memories from fish camp is the smoked fish was always amazing, and, and especially like smoked white fish dip, getting that on some chips. That's absolutely right. <laughs> um, so what? Uh, moving forward a little bit, uh, what's like... Oh, I guess this doesn't have to be moving forward. What, what's, do you have a favorite memory of Grandma? You know, this is going to sound like it's, it's not really a favorite memory, and yet it is because it was a very positive milestone. Uh, we lived in the era where just about everybody was a smoker, okay? Mm-hmm. Grandma and I were both addicted. I quit because I was involved in education and it just wasn't something I wanted on my breath or on my clothes. And so I quit a a little bit so I didn't smoke at all during the day. Uh, When I got home, uh, then I would pick up a cigarette. So actually my quantity was cut down drastically because of that and I think that's because I'm still in fairly good health. But Grandma had great, great difficulty doing that. And I can remember her saying to me once, she says, you know, if I ever have to have chemo, I'm not going to take it. That's horrible stuff. I see what it does to people. It makes them drastically sick. I just want to avoid that. Fast forward to Traverse City. We're living up there. And 
later on in this interview. We'll get to the point of how we got there physically. Mm-hmm. But Grandma came home after she had been diagnosed with a lung tumor. And of course she was in tears. And because she was a nurse, we had an appointment with an oncologist that very next Monday. So we're both sitting there and he says, Sharon, this is what you have. You have non-small cell lung cancer. He says that it is the most common type of lung cancer especially associated with your background. And she says, well, can it be fixed? And he says, I think we can give it a shot with chemo. I kept quiet for the first time in my life and I thought, I wonder what the response is gonna be. She says, well, doctor, what if I don't have chemo? And his response was, why don't you plan your affairs around six months? Hmm. Next words out of her mouth were, when can I start? So that definitely was one of the strong points in our marriage because it was at that time that she quit smoking. Totally. No withdrawal, no complaints. Um, At least she didn't verbalize that. Mm -hmm. Later on, when we were talking one night, she says, you know, I had a, tr- she, uh, she was a, a home health care nurse when we were living in Traverse City. Mm-hmm. So she traveled uh, neighboring counties. She did a lot of road traveling. But she says, I had a tree picked out that if I ever got diagnosed, I was going to drive into that as fast as my car would go. And I thought, Ooh. <laughs> it's amazing how God leaves you, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, so she was how old when she was diagnosed? She was born in 36. And she died in 1990, I think she was diagnosed. Wow. Yeah, so it was, I mean, I was born in 91. She didn't choose chemo. I wouldn't have ever met her. Yep. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. And she lived 22 years after the diagnosis. Right. Yeah. But during that time, she went through some very difficult times. And one was after she was done with the chemo, there was radiation too. Because you Mm -hmm. see, chemo uh, will not go to the brain. Mm -hmm. There's a barrier there that there's no absorption that takes place. And so radiation was recommended for that. So while they did the radiation of the brain, they made sure that there was no further growth of the tumor and they radiated the lower part of the lung at the same time. Mm -hmm. Subsequent x-rays yielded the fact that there was just a little spot down on the bottom of the lung in question. And the oncologist said, you know, it's possible not probable, but possible, that that's a different form of cancer growing there. I recommend that we go in and take out that lobe of the lung. Mm -hmm. That was a very, very big surgery. And the surgeon that took it out, he says, I took that that out, Chuck, and he says, it was fried. It was totally fried material. He says, there was no tumor there. There was nothing left. And so that surgery... 
it took a long time for her to recover. Mm -hmm. uh, they were running the blood through a filter at the bottom of the bed. Uh, I don't know if it's still done that way, but uh, she was hospitalized for 20 days in Traverse City uh, during that entire time. And she recovered from that. She went back to work. Uh, home health care had a very big heart, and they allowed her to work gradually into a full-time day. And she could actually come up there and take a little nap in the afternoon and go back at it. Mm -hmm. And so uh, she had all kinds of good memories from working in home health care. In fact, she tried to write a book. Um, it's still in our possession. Where, I don't know. It never got published. But uh, I think it has enough material in it to be self-published. In fact, I probably ought to look into that because uh, there are some stories in there that are absolutely hilarious. I mean, one was she was giving an elderly gentleman a bath in an old-fashioned bathtub, and he had a pet bird, and Grandma hated birds, just hated <laughs> birds, and that bird was being protective of her, of her master, and the bird kept swooping down <laughs> while she was trying to bathe him. That's just one of the little vignettes that I remember. Oh, man. I feel like we need to... If only we knew someone that had experience with self-publishing books, maybe we could self-publish them. That's a great idea, Mitch. <laughs> I will definitely look into it. You know, I hadn't really thought about it until our talking about it right now. Yeah, that'd be yeah. fun. Uh, what did you and Grandma like to do for fun? Oh, my. We were into sports. Mm-hmm. We would love Big Ten... Football, basketball. Yep, you uh, have when we were when we were in Shelby, we never missed a basketball or a football game. Uh, two sons competed in distance running, uh, cross country, and long distance track. I think the shortest distance anybody ran was an eight eighty. Uh, Uncle Jeff was very very good at that. In fact, I think he would have broken quite a few records if he hadn't been so young. Mm. And the reason I say that is he was sort of a pain in the neck to have around the house, so we put him into kindergarten earlier than most. And so he was younger than the rest of the class. So he was basically competing against older people. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was interesting to watch, put it that way. All I'm hearing is if Uncle Jeff wasn't a pain in the neck, he could have been a real athlete. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Um, and how about like celebrations, like anniversaries? So the the honeymoon wasn't much. Um, did you celebrate of, anniversaries? Well, not the honeymoon. You know, it was just lack of money. Yeah. Uh, we got married without a dime and stayed that way for quite a while. Um, repeat your question so I get it straight. Yeah. What What did you and Grandma do for like a typical anniversary, or were there any anniversaries that like you really? We went had all multiple out for? honeymoons. Oh, yeah. Okay, and I'll admit to that, and I think it's good for marriages. Huh. Uh, whenever possible, maybe two, three times a year, we'd drop off the kids with Grandpa and Grandma, and we were living in California at the time, and one of our favorite spots to go was Las Vegas. Did we gamble? No, we didn't even know how. But at that time, they were so anxious to get people into Las Vegas that lodging was extremely cheap. Mm. 
and food was you could eat at the Silver Slipper for two dollars total buffet. It was <laughs> it was a cheapskate's paradise, absolutely. <laughs> and so those were weekends that we really had fun. The only one where we really made a bad decision, we decided to go in August. In August in Vegas is 115, and you can't you can't walk on cement. At that time, you can't even go in the pool and get cool. You have to stay in air conditioning or else it's just too warm. Wow. Well, it, okay, so it, it's uh, kind of making me think. You you and Grandma were married for how many years total? 54. 50, 54. Um, how'd you make it work? What advice do you have for our married listeners of the podcast? We never went to bed angry, mm -hmm. okay? And the reason I say that is because, uh, not because we didn't have disagreements, because we were both educated people and we would disagree on certain topics, but we would always talk it out and have it over with as fast as we could. And so there was nothing that was ever held over that you could call a grudge. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's, really work for us. And I would assume that's probably part of a healthy marriage is to be able to discuss things freely, openly, and not hold that as a memory that you bring up at a later date. Yeah. Yeah, that's good advice. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's what worked for us. There were people in her family that liked to sit on things and hold grudges and, you know, that that was, without giving names to it, I'll, I'll just let it go at that. That that was not workable. Yeah. Because it was always, oh, you remember when that happened? Remember when that? No. Uh, forgive, forget. Mm -hmm. At least, if you can't forget it, be quiet about it. Yeah. Grandma's family. Uh, I I don't know much about. What did she have? Siblings? Uh, what she had one brother. Okay. And he was quite a few years younger, and he was a surprise baby that came when she was in high school. Mm. So that's quite a big difference. So basically, she was raised as an only child. Some sidelights about Gram Grandma, she had a fantastic personality. In high school, she was popular, she was homecoming queen, she was a cheerleader. When she came to Calvin as a freshman, she immediately became a cheerleader. Uh, just a little sidelight you need to know about Calvin in those days. They didn't have their own gymnasium. Oh, really? At least one where you could put an audience down. So they would rent various high school gyms, and you never knew which high school gym you were going to be in from week to week. Uh, and that was before the current everybody has their own gym and, and all of that. <laughs> Calvin has like three gyms now. So, oh, yeah. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> but she was a popular lady and she had a very outgoing personality and everybody loved her. Uh, I don't know of anyone that was her enemy. Yeah. Did you um, see friends pretty frequently like throughout your marriage? Was there right? Did you have uh, like friendships that you uh, kept in touch with throughout your marriage? You know, that's a great question, Mitch, because it's, uh, we lived in multiple places. Mm -hmm. And uh, after we, we were in Lansing for a couple of years, just so you get a background of my work background, and 
As you know, I sold cookware to make a living going through Calvin. Well, I thought if I could go to a bigger college town and do that, I would probably do pretty well. And that's exactly what happened for two years. We went to Lansing. Uh, we bought a house there. Son Michael was born there. Put up a fence for him so he could play in the backyard. And he was a little guy that just loved to play with trucks in the sandbox. So he would stay occupied for long periods of time. And I realized that this was something that just didn't have a future because I was straight commission. And if I was selling, it was good. If I was not selling, it wasn't so good. Mm. So I went looking and I interviewed in Chicago and uh, ended up with a fairly decent offer from a company in Long Beach, California. At that time, we made a mutual decision to sell everything. I drove all the furniture in the 12 foot truck that I bought from a feed company in New Era, Michigan. It's a feed truck that they were getting rid of and uh, it worked perfectly. There aren't any more on all the way out to uh, California. So that worked real nice, but the furniture, I packed it too tightly. So there were a few scratches when it got there. And so I learned some basics about moving, but we lived in California for about eight years. And uh, I switched from that job I was offered because I really didn't enjoy selling business forms and associated myself with a company by the name of Park Davis. And that really was friendly to my biological background that I had some courses from that in Calvin and uh, sold pharmaceuticals. And I had a very unique position is that it was my job to call on big city hospitals, uh, some of which you have heard Hollywood Presbyterian, uh, Cedar Sinai and so forth. And, uh, got a great respect for the medical profession, how hard they have to work and so forth. And uh, we had friends there. We went to a church in the Bellflower area, uh, friends that had been to Calvin. And so oh, we had a lot of things in common. And those friends, we saw each other on a regular basis. Every January 1, we would all be watching football at somebody's house and it was be just a wonderful gathering. In fact, I distinctly remember that when we finally decided to move from there, and I'll explain why, uh, they got together and had a little party for us. Today we would call it a quilting bee, and the gals all brought a, a pattern that they had made, and they sewed it all together. And I don't know where that is today. Grandma was a minimalist, and so she didn't keep anything that wasn't being used. Yeah. Yeah, and that's... She has passed that on to you know, at least one of her offspring. Yeah, anybody else would have kept that and passed it on for generations because it was really schmaltzy. It was very, very nice, pretty, well done, and all that. So those are the friends that we had out there and spent a lot of time with them. Uh, then we decided to move back to Michigan. Mm -hmm. Why? The reason was quite simple. I didn't like the mindset of most people in Southern California. Hmm. What kind of mindset is that? You get a raise, you get a new car, or you get a bigger house, or you redo your house. And so as a, uh, a sociologist would call that conspicuous consumption. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot of it that took place. In fact, it was, it was a standard. I can remember a very good friend of mine buying a house that was worth over a million 
And in those days, that was a huge, huge layout of money. But he could afford it. He could afford the payments. Uh, he was a neurologist and, uh, you know, was well received. I said to him, how in the world are you ever going to pay for that? He says, why would I ever pay for it? <laughs> and that's the rationale of people buying bigger and better because the economy was always headed up, wasn't it? Well, that wasn't always the case. And so they ran into some problems later on. Hmm. But then you moved to Shelby. Yep. Um, oh, what, why Shelby out of anywhere else? Education. Oh, yeah. I had been educated to be a teacher. I thought I'm going to use that. Mm -hmm. And we were at Shelby visiting Sharon's folks in the summer. And I went in and talked to the high school principal, Jim McKimmy. And I said, Jim, I really want to relocate in education. I'm interested in teaching elementary. He says, oh, man, Chuck, your, your timing is just perfect. They can't get teachers around here. They're just not available. And so he called me back in California. He had gotten on the phone and checked with a few schools. I had an offer from Whitehall. I had an offer from Shelby. I had an offer from Hart. And those were all neighboring areas to Shelby because we knew we wanted to come back to Shelby uh, just because life would be a lot easier to get restarted there. Mm -hmm. And we lived in Shelby for 16 years and spent delightful years in education. It was just a great experience. Uh, do I look back? Yes. Park Davis wanted me to be in management. Uh, and that meant living in a big city with my family for the rest of my life. And that's one of the reasons that I wasn't attracted to keep on with him because I would have ended up being a project manager and nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of dollars connected with it and a very nice lifestyle and so forth. So that was a time of severance. Yeah. Huh. I'm gonna I'm gonna kinda switch gears a little bit as we kinda like close this episode or whatever we call it. Um but uh one of my strongest memories of grandma is as a cat uh, lover. And um, I got a cat story I didn't even tell you about, Mitch. Yeah, well, well I'm excited to hear oh, that cat story and ties, yeah. about grandma's cats. Like, it, did she love cats you, as soon as you got married? Like, were, were there cats immediately or did this kind of like grow throughout your marriage? You mean cat du jour? <laughs> yeah, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Grandma loved cats, so we always had a cat in the house. Mm -hmm. But cats are nocturnal hunters. And we catered to that, and we allowed our cats to hunt at night. And I think they were healthier for that, but they didn't necessarily have a long lifetime because they would have a predisposition to get run over by automobiles in the middle of the night. Uh, we always got cats that looked about the same because when grandchildren came along, uh, you know, they always went to Max, and Max was the name of our cats. But we'd go to get them replaced, we would always look like Max. One time, one of the grandsons said, Grandma, this isn't Max. She says, well, of course it's Max. Everybody calls him Max. He says, no, this cat has six toes. 
The other one had five toes. We thought that was interesting because it was absolutely accurate. Uh, it was probably about the sixth max that we had in our existence. But there was another cat story mm -hmm. that goes way back. I must have been about six, seven years old. and uh, My cousin Steve uh, was two years older than I, and his dad owned a dairy. And I would love to get invited to the dairy because when Steve didn't have to help dad and his brothers milk, and he and I would do fun things, and he was a real athlete. In fact, he's the best athlete I've ever witnessed. Uh, but when he had to milk, I would be playing by myself around the house because I wasn't old enough and strong enough to help with that kind of work. Why I did it, but I did it. My aunt and uncle woke up one night to a sound of meowing. They couldn't figure out where the meowing was coming from. Finally, they figured out it was coming from the top drawer of their dresser. And some little guy had put a couple of kittens in there. <laughs> Don't ask me why. I just thought it would be fun. <laughs> that story came back to haunt me over the years. I mean, it sounds like it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was, man. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Conversations with Grandpa, and thanks as always to Grandpa for the wonderful conversation. Um, if you have any questions that you would like to ask Grandpa, or would like to ask Grandpa through me, um, shoot me a text or an email, uh, and I think we'll do a listener questions conversation in an upcoming episode, which could be fun. Um, okay. Love you.